We're always thankful to be joined by former Massac County State's Attorney and Illinois State Representative, Mr. Patrick Windhorst. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Will. Appreciate uh, the chance to be on. Next week, uh, at least the calendar says that the General Assembly is going to be in session the 16th, 17th, and 18th. Have you uh, heard anything about whether or not those calendar dates are going to remain or if days are going to be canceled? Uh, What's the uh, forecast? Well, we believe we'll be in session uh, at least one or two of those days, if not uh, the full week. Uh, We do not have any committees scheduled in the House, uh, so it's not really clear what we'll be doing other than maybe some housekeeping things, some resolutions potentially uh, during that time. Uh, may be just an effort for us to get to Springfield, get some things in order for later in the session. But, you know, our the early months uh, of the year don't have as many scheduled days as they have in the past. And it's kind of the feeling that we may not do a whole lot uh, until after the primary in March. Uh, that once that uh, is over, then uh, legislative action will really start to pick up. So to anticipate, we'll be in session next week, but I'm not anticipating much will occur. And uh, as you look forward to the rest of the session later in the spring, is there any one big looming piece of legislation? I I don't really see anything on the horizon. Uh, Do you? Well, the one issue that um, we've been keeping an eye on is the potential for a constitutional amendment to be voted on, to be placed on the ballot, uh, and uh, as it relates to uh, abortion uh, and putting what's in the, currently in our statute, uh, putting that into the Constitution, a constitutional state constitutional protection uh, for abortion. Uh, there have been uh, some discussions in the news media, nothing on the legislative side, but in the news media that there may be uh, something coming forward. This There is a working group of uh, House Democrats that is meeting, and they've been uh, putting forward legislation on the abortion issue. Uh, we may see that uh, there will be a constitutional amendment effort. That would be, a, of course, a large uh, piece of legislation and then have impact going forward uh, into the election in November. Uh, but other uh, than that, nothing has really been said. I, I would expect that we will um, see something in the criminal justice field as it relates to the Safety Act, another uh, cleanup of some kind. Uh, I would also uh, anticipate that there will be large discussions about dealing with the migrant uh, crisis in Chicago uh, and now spreading into the suburbs uh, and if there will be additional funding provided to Chicago and other municipalities to handle that crisis. And then as we get toward the end of the session, the budget will take over a large part of the conversation and that will be uh, a main focus uh, of this session as it is most years. And speaking of the budget, there's been some talk that the Illinois budget would be quote unquote opened up in order to make uh, some sort of amendment uh, funding for Chicago or whomever to help address the surge of of migrants into the country and into sanctuary cities like Chicago. Um, Sometimes when that happens, then all sorts of other things get amended in the budget. And uh, I'm wondering if you're hearing if that's going to happen or not. Well, there have been uh, rumors of a supplemental appropriation uh, that would come forward on that issue. That was even, those uh, rumors were 
occurring even in the fall. Um, at that point, a higher vote threshold was needed to pass. Uh, so we, we required 71 votes in the House. Uh, after January 1st, that comes back down to 60 votes, a bare majority. So it makes it more likely that something would come forward and be able to pass uh, at this time. Uh, I don't anticipate that we will see that um, until later, probably again after the election. But that's uh, that's a guess on my part. Uh, I think there is a likelihood that, that this issue will be a large part of the conversation leading up to the budget discussions and then for the budget next year. Patrick Windhorst is with us today. Also want to visit with you about the ongoing legal wrangling about the Protect Illinois Communities Act, the Illinois Assault Weapons Ban. Uh, Representative Calkins had filed an appeal to the United States Supreme Court asking them to review the Illinois Supreme Court's ruling, which found the Protect Illinois Communities Act to be constitutional. Uh, there were really two things that Calkins was arguing. One was the constitutionality, and he was also saying that two of the justices should have recused themselves because they took large campaign donations from Governor Pritzker and um, others who were sponsors and supporters of the bill. This was not a surprise, really, that the United States Supreme Court did not take up Mr. Calkins' uh, filing. No, I agree. It was disappointing, but but not surprising. Uh, the Supreme Court gets thousands of uh, writs of certiorari uh, cert requests uh, that are made to the court. I think last year, I believe the number was seven thousand, but that you know that's a number I had heard, and they grant fewer than a hundred uh, to hear. Uh, so it was not surprising that this case was not taken up. Uh, just because any case that's appealed to the Supreme Court, it's very unlikely that it will be taken. Now, with that being said, uh, there are still challenges that are going forward in the federal court system uh, that are working their way through that system. Uh, so the issue is not over, and the, and the Supreme Court's uh, denial of the request of uh, Representative Caucus does not mean the issue is over. Uh, in fact, I believe after we get a final ruling on the merits from the uh, from the trial court, uh, the federal trial court, and then that's appealed to the Seventh Circuit and then works its way to the Supreme Court. I think that is more likely to be taken once it's decided fully on the merits in federal court, particularly if one of these other circuits that have a similar challenge uh, to the one in Illinois, if they have a ruling that differs from what Illinois' ruling is uh, or the ruling on the Illinois uh, law is, then it's much likely, in fact, highly likely that the Supreme Court would take that matter up. So it, it, myself, I believe it's unconstitutional, ultimately be ruled to be unconstitutional. Uh, I would was also hopeful, though, that this uh, finding of unconstitutionality would have occurred quicker than what it is taking. It's going to be a much longer process and uh, could be even over a year before uh, we know whether the Supreme Court will be taking the case or not. Well, you know, it's sort of a weird analogy to draw, but I think about the concept that if Illinois government is running a sled dog team of 102 sled dogs and you only have uh, about eight or ten of those sled dogs that are actually complying with the direction from the person 
that is supposed to be driving them. And that's this bizarre situation in Illinois where from time to time, like the consent of the governed is just lost. We've got millions of void card holders and we only have, I don't know, 30, 40,000 people that have filed to uh, with the state police on their assault weapons ban. And you've got 94 sheriffs that say they won't enforce it. And so I can't sometimes figure out where the theater of governor uh, of government ends and the and the actual enforcement of governance begins it's uh it's 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 weird well i and i think a lot of people share that uh, feeling uh with you will that there is a disconnect between what's being stated out of springfield and then what's occurring uh, particularly in local communities in uh, our part of the state in addition to the sheriffs, we've had state's attorneys uh, in our local counties come forward and state that they will not uh, prosecute under that act uh, for the, the uh, their uh, opinion that it is unconstitutional uh, to enforce. And uh, under the way our law is set up, it's the local state's attorneys that have that uh, discretion whether or not to prosecute. The attorney general does not have general prosecutorial authority in our state. The attorney general is limited in his ability to prosecute criminal cases. Uh, so those decisions on a local level have a large bearing on the day-to-day lives uh, of individuals who uh, are impacted by this law. Uh, the one major effect, though, I would say that while there may not be enforcement locally on those who currently own the firearms, it's essentially ended the ability of people to purchase them uh, in Illinois, uh, even if you go out of state. And this is, of course, what I'm hearing anecdotally from others Um who've attempted to purchase or you know, even there was a window of time when, when the law was stayed and their ability to make those purchases uh, even before and after that, uh, it's clear that, that seems clear anyway, that the ability of people to acquire uh, new weapons that are impacted by uh, that law has has been uh, stopped and that may be the, the impact going forward. And I, you know, I that was probably one of the biggest desired impacts of those who were proponents of the law well so you sort of uh craft a ship that flies under one banner but it's uh you know ultimate intended purpose is sort of something else yes and if you remember from uh the the law there are limitations on those who currently own those weapons how they can can transfer them transfer ownership uh they can transfer ownership to an ffl uh, or uh, they can transfer ownership upon their passing through their estate, the two main ways. Um, so you really have limited, almost eliminated the market, uh, uh, the legal market for those weapons uh, in the state. Illinois State Representative Patrick Windhorst is with us. Uh, switching topics to another recent development, and that's that the Franklin County Juvenile Det- Detention Center has closed recently. A a judge ordered uh, it to be closed due to low staffing. I um, have been a fairly astute, I think, political watcher for some time, and it surprised me that a state facility, due to low staffing, which is what was reported, that a judge could close a facility on those grounds. I didn't even know that a judge had really the authority to close down, whether it be the Ren Lake Marina or a juvenile detention center or anything else. 
Well, this facility uh, is owned by Franklin County, but under the nature of the juvenile court system is actually under the operation of uh, the circuit court. So in, in essence, what the circuit court was saying is we are closing the facility by not allowing any inmates. Uh, that's uh, not the best word for people who are detained as juveniles, but juveniles who are detained uh, to be housed in that facility. Uh, so that in essence closes the facility uh, and because the way our juvenile system works, the um, the circuit court has a lot of control. In fact, as it relates to local detention facilities, uh, almost absolute control over the operation. There is ownership with the county, as I mentioned, and, and Franklin County will be looking at ways to use the facility, uh, probably other than for juvenile detention. Um, but it will be some time before we know how exactly uh, the county will operate and what the best use uh, of the property will be. You know, many of the counties in Southern Illinois had used Franklin County for juvenile detention uh, since it opened. Uh, But in recent years, many of the counties have began uh, housing juveniles out of state. Uh, And uh, that uh, I think also created issues financially for the operation of the facility and uh, would have also contributed to the staffing issues, I would imagine. Uh, lastly, today, I was doing some searching online, and there's a interesting tool called Bill Tracker, and you can see what any member of the General Assembly has sponsored or co-sponsored and where the piece of legislation stands. And um, I, I noticed one particular bill that was attempting to amend some language as it concerns people who are using marijuana and then operating a motor vehicle essentially the dui law and there's a ton of stuff that goes on in the illinois general assembly that deals with technical modifications to language it never really gets reported on and i just thought this might be an interesting example to explore about the i'm not going to say mundane but the um perhaps less talked about work of an illinois state representative Yes, uh, that's uh, this is a good example of, of uh, how a large percentage of the bills uh, come forward uh, that you know may ultimately be heard in committee or voted on. They involve what I think is fair to say a technical change in the law or a small change in the law, but can have a large impact uh, on a certain field of law. So in this case, uh, I was on the DUI cannabis task force that was created after cannabis was legalized in 2019 in Illinois. And uh, we sat through and discussed, uh, as part of this task force, ways that uh, Illinois' DUI law, as it relates to cannabis, could be strengthened and improved. Uh, One of the things that came out in our committee or our task force hearings was that there's a potential gap in Illinois' DUI laws relates to cannabis for um, cannabis traffic stops traffic stops related to potential DUI for cannabis that do not involve chemical testing and whether those uh, there's a crack or a loophole in the law that allows those uh, to not uh, or prevents those from being prosecuted and uh, so I put forward a bill that was designed to uh, close that loophole or or, uh, fix that crack in the law we are waiting on other cases that have come forward that 
brought this to our attention to work their way through the court system to determine if this is necessary. And to my knowledge, we've not had final resolution on those cases. Uh, so it may be that the courts ultimately, uh, especially as to the Illinois Supreme Court, resolve the, those cases in a way that does not make this change necessary. If they resolve it differently, then uh, we have legislation to address that, to make sure that people who are driving under the influence uh, and driving unsafely are able to be prosecuted uh, under Illinois law without any loopholes or gaps. So is it your impression currently that if someone is high on marijuana and they are driving erratically, pulled over by a member of law enforcement, and they uh, refuse to be tested, say, like, you know, when somebody is drunk uh, when it comes to alcohol, there's the breathalyzer test, and people can either take it or refuse to take it. And I think some of your concern comes from whether or not somebody who refuses to be tested for, you know, the amount of THC in their system can later be prosecuted under the laws it's written now. That's a, a good uh, summation of the concern. This was actually brought forward to us by uh, defense attorneys and uh, prosecutors, those practitioners in the uh, criminal justice system who deal with DUI cases. There is a conflict in uh, different circuits on how they handle them and what judges, how judges are ruling. Those decisions have to work their way up through the appellate court system, similar to what we referenced in uh, the, the firearm ban. They have to work their way up through the system and get a, a ruling that is sets precedent. Uh, and then once that is set, we as a legislature have a better idea of how to address the law if we believe a correction is made. And again, to my knowledge, those cases have not been fully resolved uh, and uh, that issue may need to be explored in the future. Illinois State Representative Patrick Windhorst is with us today. Representative, anything that you would like to mention that I maybe wouldn't have known to ask about? No, I, I do want to take the time to thank uh, your listeners and the, the citizens of Southern Illinois for the opportunity to serve them in Springfield. We're gearing up for the spring session, getting legislation in line and, and uh, getting ready to uh, head back to Springfield to do the work of the people. And it is an honor for me to uh, be able to do this. And I, I really appreciate the opportunity that people have given me. Representative, thanks for your time. Have a great day. Thank you.